50s and 60s and the first black woman to play lead roles at the American Shakespeare Festival. Ruby Dee and her husband, Ozzie Davis, also an actor, were active in the civil rights movement. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing on this Friday. I'm Brian Curtis reporting. The unrest in Iraq takes a toll on markets and oil jumps 3%. The Canadian-born central banker in England says get ready for rate rises. I pay homage there to the strategist Chris Wood. He loves these kind of nicknames for the central bankers like Pinball Allen, Canadian-born and Flexible Mario. Anyway, we're going to take a look at the Bank of England's new policy ideas and... And this may be the most interesting headline of all. CEO Elon Musk says electric car maker Tesla will give away all of its patents. They will be made public and people can do with them as they will. Putting in long hours for a corporation is is hard, but putting in long hours for a cause is easy. I think it's, you know, it's I, I think it's quite motivating. He thinks that open source will greatly advance the overall electric vehicle industry, and he thinks that patent battles are kind of silly. You see a lot of these battles going on um, with with giant companies uh, firing massive patent lawsuits against one another. And, you know, I was an obvious example being Apple and Samsung, and you sort of of wonder, well, like, who's really benefiting there? It seems like they're both losing. Um, And then you've got all these depositions and dirty laundry getting aired and it's a big distraction for the management teams and it doesn't seem like it's actually serving shareholders. All the patents will be open source and available at no charge. Quite an interesting move by Elon Musk, and we'll deal with this a little bit later in the program. Also coming up on the program, we'll be speaking with Thomas Hugger of Asia Frontier Investments about opportunities in some of the Asian frontier markets. We'll also be chatting with Alex Jong of Jerdy Management, or partnership rather, about whether brick-and-mortar shopping malls have a future in the face of so much online shopping. And we'll also speak with Dr. Attila Dahlgren and Rebecca Jong of Bhutan Nature Asia Limited. They'll be telling us about the anti-aging benefits and worldwide marketing potential of a rare plant found among the mountains of Bhutan. First, let's take a look at markets here and see how they're moving now. In Australia, the index is a little bit lower. The ASX 200 down six points at 5,401. And we see stocks down about a third of a percent in Seoul. The pound rose on those comments from the Bank of England government. Mark Carney, the pound is now worth 13 Hong Kong dollars and 14 cents. The Australian dollar, 94.23 cents. The dollar up against the yen, 101.73. So that's the dollar a little bit weaker against the yen, while the euro is now 1.355 U.S. dollars. So some of the news flow, and then we'll get to the guests. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney saying the Bank of England might raise interest rates earlier than investors think. The pound rose on these comments, as we mentioned. Mr. Carney said there's already great speculation about the exact timing of the first rate hike, and this decision is becoming more balanced. The MPC expects a rate, the, the rate at which slack is eroded to slow during the second half of this year as output growth eases and productivity uh, growth recovers. He expressed concern that mounting debt related to the housing market in the UK could undermine stability. He also suggested that any rate rise would likely be modest. Navigating just this upcoming bend in the river isn't the end of the journey. 
The MPC has rightly stressed that the timing of the first rate increase is less important than the path thereafter. In particular, we expect that eventual increases in bank rate will likely be gradual and limited. Looking at oil prices, we mentioned they jumped overnight in the violence in Iraq. Brent crude now $113.02 a barrel. That's up about $3. Gold is trading at $1,272.50. That is also a jump in gold overnight. U.S. Treasuries rallied for a second day. The yield on the 10-year note fell four basis points to 2.60%. Yields in Europe also fell. Andrew Balls at PIMCO says Spanish and Italian yields will probably even go go lower. Europe is, is anchored by Germany. Uh, German yields are um, about you know, 1.3, 1.4%, so well below uh, U.S. Treasuries. Uh, and Spain uh, trades with a, a spread over France, so, uh, sorry, spread over Germany. So you've had this, this tightening helped by the ECB's um, actions uh, last week. Uh, and I think probably uh, Spain can continue to, to grind tight a little bit. Uh, France uh, trades very tight to uh, to Germany wouldn't expect it to go uh, anywhere too much, but we have uh, very low inflation uh, in Europe, uh, which is keeping uh, yields down, possibly uh, you know, more from the ECB. So we have a divergent path in, in Europe compared with the U.S. On Wall Street, stocks were down, unnerved somewhat over Iraq, and airlines were slammed as oil rose. Some economic data released also missed estimates, and that also hurt sentiment. The S&P 500 was down 0.7% at 1930. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 109 points at 16,734. A surge in violence across northern and central Iraq has raised the specter of civil war in the country, and Iraq is over. OPEC's second biggest oil producer. Now to this interesting story about Tesla Motors. Elon Musk, the CEO, says patents will be open source and available at no charge. The carmaker will provide access to all of the several hundred patents that it has filed and won't sue any of those who use them in good faith. Mr. Musk wants to create more momentum in the EV industry. He waxes on here a little about technology generally. People often mistake it uh technology for a static picture uh, as opposed to a dynamic picture, uh, you know, so it's more like a, less like a picture, more like a movie. Uh, it's, so it's, 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 it's the velocity of technology innovation that matters. Um, or, you know, if you want to go a little further, the one derivative more, it's the, the acceleration, like, to what degree um, is, is a company accelerating the advent of new technology? Uh, that, that is what represents true competitiveness. Uh, it is not the static picture of, oh, I've got this patent, because then that's just a, then you're just on a shot clock until that patent expires and then it's game over. Quite interesting that uh, he is trying to develop the electric vehicle industry, obviously looking to make profits for his company, Tesla. But he says that you can find engineers and other people to work for your company a lot better if you have a good cause for them to work for rather than just, um, you know, working endlessly for a corporation. Anyway, Tesla is getting ready to begin developing as many as three sites for a proposed gigafactory that is a $5 billion battery factory. The current patent system needs reforms, he says, as it can be a hindrance to technology advances. While this decision drew wide-eyed looks from many Tesla executives, he says it will not hurt the company.
Well, we welcome our first guest now to the program, Thomas Hugger, CEO of Asia Frontier Investments. Thomas, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank Hi. you for joining us here in our studios. Uh, so Vietnam, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Mongolia, all some of the frontier markets that, that you like, that you say are poised for big gains in, in coming quarters. And the key dynamics, you say, are demographics, rising incomes, and high GDP growth. Tell us a little bit more about why you like these countries. Yeah, you mentioned all the points that uh, all these countries, uh, they are neglected by, especially by foreign investors. Uh, still, foreign investors, for example, in Vietnam only, I mean, portfolio investors at the stock market, they only participate of, of the 5% of the turnover on the daily uh, stock exchange, or in, for example, in Bangladesh, uh, investors, ho- foreign investors only hold about 2% of all outstanding stocks listed on the Docker stock exchange. And as you said, the countries are growing very fast. The GDP on average in our universe from Iraq to Mongolia, Papua New Guinea, Bangladesh, Cambodia is on average 6.4%. Uh, uh, the demographics are very favorable. Uh, we have countries like in uh, Cambodia where the average uh, population age is t- only 21 years old or in Laos, uh, 20 years. So, and what we think there's a big, uh, what we play, what is big uh, d- dimension now is the shift, the manufacturing shift from China into these countries, especially to Vietnam, Bangladesh, Myanmar and Cambodia where the salaries compared with uh, in uh, in south in Guangdong province in China where the salaries are around for unchilled uh, labor is around 250 US dollars a month in those countries it's between uh, 75 and 150 US dollars in Vietnam for example and that's a big big uh, advantage for uh, intensive uh, labor intensive uh, industries we see a trend though of you know factories moving to those countries and the growth being strong there but we also see a trend across the world that GDP growth doesn't always lead to good market performance. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you're talking about uh, China. Well, China uh, and Vietnam. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, Vietnam. Uh, I mean, Vietnam uh, has been better uh, recently. Yes. But if you look over the past 10 or 15 years, growth rates very strong, but not very good market performance. Yeah, uh, Vietnam had uh, 2007 uh, an excellent round, but in 2008 and 2009, uh, the country had an issue with uh, balance of payment, over speculation, too much hot, hot money going into this market. And inflation. And inflation, of course, that's uh, a result of this. But going forward, it's very important in those countries that uh, in developed countries, uh, an investor, a portfolio investor can buy an ETF and he can participate with the stock market because the stock market also, as you pointed out, is reflecting the GDP growth. However, in emerging markets and also especially in frontier markets, you really need a specialist who chooses for you the right stocks and the right sectors to invest in. So, for example, if you have, inv- have been investing in consumer stocks or in uh, IT or Internet stocks in China, you made a fortune. But if you have been investing just in the ETF, which is uh, settled with uh, banks and uh, property Some and state-owned companies, state enterprises, yeah. yeah, you didn't make money. Yes. So do you invest – I mean, not all of these um, countries, I would assume, have uh, dynamic stock exchanges. Uh, do you find companies that do business there or how do you actually play it? 
Yeah, uh, it depends. Uh, of, of course, uh, Laos only has three stocks listed now, uh, Cambodia only two stocks. But let's say uh, Vietnam has two stock exchanges and there are seven, 700 stocks listed. So we have a huge uh, universe of stocks we, we can uh, choose from, from all the different sectors. And what also the nice thing is uh, those uh, companies are much cheaper than uh, in frontier markets co- compared with Asian emerging market. For example, our Vietnam fund, we, uh, the average PE we we of the fund is only six and a half times and the price book ratio is below one so it's like uh, investing uh, in a private equity company but it's listed on the stock exchange you must be very concerned though about corporate governance in some of these sectors mm, it depends uh, not on the sectors. i think it's more on country specific and uh, the bigger companies normally the well for instance you mentioned bangladesh here and we've seen some tragedies out of bangladesh in the past couple of years particularly with um you know, clothing and toy manufacturers. Yes, I'm not sure if that uh, is really corporate governance uh, regarding financials, but I think there are some issues uh, with uh, in the, uh, within the certain industries. I think in every country uh, you have some uh, good corporate uh, corporate governance uh, companies and some of the players which try to uh, misuse the system. And unfortunately, this happened. But I think it's well, it was very tragic uh, incidents. But I think going forward now, uh, the sector will be cleaned up. And I think also in uh, international players like uh, H- H&M, uh, Walmart, they now are, are more caref- careful with whom they are dealing. You have a forum coming up with Mark Faber speaking. Tell us about that forum and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, next week uh, we are a co-sponsor of a forum uh, held in Ho Chi Minh City. So Mark Faber will be the uh, main speaker. He will talk about the, uh, the, compare, the difference between developed market and the frontier markets. He thinks that the developed market have uh, topped out the uh, market performance and frontier mar- uh, most of the frontier markets are, have uh, bottomed out, especially Vietnam. And then we have other guest speakers from Vietnam, which talk about Vietnam, and I also will uh, participate there. I will take, uh, talk a little bit more about general frontier markets and why we like uh, Vietnam. We think of these markets as pretty risky, but in some cases, like, for instance, when emerging markets were being sold off, frontier markets offered, in some cases, a kind of de-risking. Uh, Can you explain you know, the, the sort of thinking behind that? Uh, I think you're absolutely right. So, for example, our... Uh, regional uh, Asia Frontier Fund, since the tapering started, the correlation towards the MSCI World Index it has now dropped to minus 0.3. And that's exactly the phenomenon what you said. The markets in, let's say, in the developed markets going down, our fund goes up. And we had, for example, yesterday, all the markets in Asia, in, in let's say, emerging Asia and in the developed countries uh, in Europe and US were down. Our fund was uh, actually, or oh, both funds yesterday were up. And the main reason for this is, as I explained a little bit earlier, is that foreigners are still only a very, very small uh, portion of the uh, daily turnover. So most of the of the turnover is done by uh, local investors, and they don't really look at uh, what's happening in the uh, U.S. or Japan. Yeah. All right, Thomas, thank you very much for joining us here on Money for Nothing. Thomas Hugger, CEO of Asia Frontier Investments.
are shopping malls set for extinction thanks to the explosion of online shopping? Well, you probably don't think so, but it does put pressure on some of the mall developers. We're joined now by Alex Jong of Jerdy Partnership. Alex, good morning. Good morning, Brian. So it's a it's very interesting topic. Uh, we we know that um, you know for a number of years we've seen advances in online shopping. We see all these phenomena like uh, people at Best Buy for a long time would go in and look at all the latest electronic devices, then order them on on Amazon. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of pressure put on malls. Um, you know what what can you do about it? Well, um, yeah, the the threat is real. Actually, there are uh, places that are closing down in China, um, but um, we think as designers, if you look at a shopping mall as a public place, as a, a part of the city, uh, or even better, as an urban theater, then you it takes on a different light, and I think you can think about it differently. Online retail is is huge, and it's only going to get bigger. Uh, and we definitely want to embrace it, technologies and how we can use technologies to serve uh, customers and visitors better. Uh, but there is still place for well-designed and custom-built uh, urban stage. Uh, we think in the coming years, uh, we are talking about catering to the millennia uh, generations, um, people who are more self-assured, confident, uh, they are much more handy in terms of using mobile and digital technologies, and they have much more information at hand. We're also catering to um, affluent seniors. Uh, we're also catering to people from all over the world as we become more mobile. So how do you look for ways to bring both young people and um, seniors into your malls? I think the design would have to kind of uh, also work with uh, online technology. We have to really think about what these people are looking for in this urban theater. And we have to custom design every part of the physical space, the brick and mortar, so that they can find a place that can identify with, uh, with their needs. You know, one comment about malls is that uh, they're sort of closed off, in a sense, from the street life of a city, and they may lack the vibrancy. Uh, can you turn a mall into a vibrant place? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How do you uh, I do think that? That, that? That is the challenge. Uh, we have to break down the the traditional concept, concept of a shopping mall being a closed, boxed-in, kind of a, um, a high-security kind of a compound. We have to think of it as woven into the fabric of a city. It could be open air. It could be partly open air. It should be 24-7. It should be just seamlessly connected with uh, the rest of the city. Can you give us an example of a mall that really works, you think, that still attracts a lot of people uh, in uh, and perhaps does so at the expense of online shopping? I, I, yes, yes. Uh, there are... Um, if you look at the performances, there are a few places, few places that are still doing really well. Uh, one of them is in Hong Kong, actually, Langham Place. Uh, it is uh, very, very popular with uh, Hong Kong people today, even after 10 years. And why do you think that's the case? Uh, I think people actually identify with it as part of their community. They feel comfortable going in. It doesn't, uh, they don't feel the pressures to shop. But the fact is, once they go in, you know, uh, once you start to linger 
uh, it's very likely that you will do some shopping. So if you get people in with other things like theaters, with, uh, for instance, at Festival Walk, uh, which changed hands recently, I think it was 2011, uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that go there for the ice skating rink. Is part of the idea just if you get people in, they will eventually buy something? Uh, it it's uh, uh, it should be a natural part of it from a commercial perspective because our clients ultimately they are developers they will have to uh, make a living make a profit uh, but I think we think there is a bigger goal than that from all perspective creating the heart of a city creating a center where people can gather they can see and be seen and they can interact. And and what are the techniques that you use for that? Uh, you see a lot of malls that have atrium-like areas, uh, open air, lots of sunshine coming in. But it almost sounds like what you're trying to um, uh, replicate is street life, and that's hard to imagine in a mall. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, we just have to expand our imagination a little bit. Uh, we have to look at the place as an integral part of the city. Uh, there are... There are ways to surgically open up part of it. So people will still be protected from the environment, from the elements. They will still feel the comfort, but yet they can be better connected with the community and the districts. Okay, Alex, uh, interesting stuff. Thanks very much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. Alex Jong from Jerdy Partnership. This is Money for Nothing. The time is 23 minutes after 8. Well, our next guests are here to tell us about the marvels of cordyceps, a fungus that is believed to have health benefits and certain medicinal qualities. We're joined by Dr. Attila Dahlgren and Rebecca Jong from Bhutan Nature Asia. Very good morning. Good, good morning, morning, Brian. Brian. So this is a kind of interesting topic. I can't say that I know too much about this, uh, this fungus. Um, I know that cordyceps, you do see them in the uh, Chinese medicine shops and everything. So first, uh, doctor, if you could uh, explain what some of these medicinal qualities are meant to be. Well, cordyceps or dongchong ha chu uh, is, has been used in traditional Chinese medicines for thousands of years. And the basic um, benefit is to get energy after a long uh, illness or to yeah yet just get more strength um and this is the traditional use but more and more scientific investigations show that there are actually some truth to this that uh, cordyceps actually can boost your immune system it can improve your memory and also balance uh, your hormonal balance so, so it's for vitality, and it can make you feel uh, stronger and somewhat immune from um, various uh, little bugs out there. Uh, Rebecca, if you could define what the, what the venture is, what it is that um, you're doing. Hi, Brian. Um, basically, in Hong Kong, we always use the traditional cordyceps, and this is really the first time we um, introduce um, Bhutan cordyceps to Hong Kong. And uh, especially this uh, Golden Highland Cordycep, um, we highly appreciate this uh, effectiveness of it. And this particular um, genus, um, is it, um, what, what, is the, what is the name of it? Uh, is it sinensis or something like that? Um, doctor, um, can you specify? You know, it's, a, it's a wide range of species in, in this genus, right? That's true. I mean, there is, um, in, from the Himalayan region, you have... 
different, slightly different looking, let's say, cousins uh, of, um, but it's all Cordyceps sinensis. Um, the interesting thing about the Bhutan variety is that, as you may know, the Bhutan is a very pure country with no heavy industry. It's a very pristine nature. And the isolated valleys have, um, by evolution, produced this type of cordyceps that has very high concentration of active ingredients. So it's almost double what you would find in regular cordyceps. Now this is made, this fungus uh, comes in a strange sort of way, isn't it? An insect crawls into a plant, the plant um, subsumes or consumes the insect, and then something, some sort of byproduct is produced? That's right. It's actually uh, the larva of a moth called the ghost moth. And uh, this um, larva lives in very high altitude, about 5,000 meters, um, and it's infected by a fungus. And the fungus takes over the larva, and in the end, it's all fungus, but in the shape of a larva, actually. And where, you know, can people find this in Hong Kong? It seems like, Rebecca, what you were saying is that it's pretty widely used. Is that um, your particular uh, brand or just generally Cordyceps? It is uh, quite easily find in Hong Kong, uh, any of the traditional um, Chinese herbal shop. Um, in our case, uh, because of the Bhutan um, Golden Highland Cordyceps, is a uh, pretty limited supply, and therefore we, we really cannot uh, have it distributed in retail shops. So in our case, we will deliver it to our customer freshly from uh, the harvest directly in the hand. So is this a young startup company for you? Actually, it is, Brian. Um, we only established it recently, and um, I, uh, it's fairly new. How many people do you have working for you? At the moment, we have two. So you're basically just importing this, or are you actually um, going through the process in Hong Kong? I mean, going through what process? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the process of actually making this into a commercial product. Oh, I, I, we will. We will. We, uh, we actually will uh, import it directly from Bhutan to Hong Kong. Yeah. And, Doctor, what are some of the benefits that people actually show from using this? I think, you know, your program is about money. And um, in Hong Kong, I think there are a lot of uh, successful businessmen and businesswomen who are very stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, in order to enjoy it all in the end, when, when you reach your, your goals, you really need to invest in your health. And cordyceps is a, a very good way of um, doing this on a regular basis. Traditionally, cordyceps has been used as a treatment after you had an illness. We recommend cordyceps as a part of your daily routine, but in, 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 in some form like a tincture or tea. And um, this is just to you know, boast energy and make your fit for fight, so to say. Is it meant to have virility benefits? Is it, you know, for instance, um, something like ginseng that people would use that maybe for uh, enhancing sexual performance? It's, um, you know, it has been, has this reputation. And uh, in fact, there is more and more evidence that cordyceps actually have um, an effect on balancing, let's say, hormonal in this balance, not only for men, but also for women. 
So there's more research going on, and I'm happy to come back with more results on that. But yes, there seems to be some, some indication, actually. Okay, well, unfortunately, out of time, 8.30, uh, the time does roll by, but it's an interesting um, uh, product, uh, one that I wasn't so familiar with. I suppose people who frequent um, uh, Chinese medicine shops would be, uh, but uh, this is a slightly different uh, strain, so good luck with the venture, and we'll see how you do over the next six months or so. Thank you very much. That's uh, Rebecca Zhang from Bhutan Nature and Dr. Ati La Dahlgren. Money of Nothing, the time is 8.30. We just have time to leave you with some of the recent market performance. Uh, We're seeing indices now um, a bit to the downside. Uh, The Nikkei's off 124, so eight-tenths of a percent. It just seems that uh, the violence in Iraq and just a little bit of a turn down. A little bit of a turn down in risk markets. Uh, Perhaps it could be profit-taking. Just prudence on the global stage. Let's get the latest in news. This is RTHK. U.S. President Barack Obama says his team is working around the clock to determine what assistance to provide the Iraqi government as it battles against ISIS Islamist militants. Here's Radio Australia's Michael Vincent. President Barack Obama initially said he's considering all options for military action in Iraq. Later, a White House spokesman clarified, saying no ground troops are being considered. There are reports the Iraqi government has asked the U.S. to carry out airstrikes on jihadist positions in the border area with Syria. Barack Obama says the Iraqi government needs to be more inclusive of Sunnis and Kurds and there will be short-term actions that need to be done militarily. We do have a stake in making sure that these jihadists are not getting a permanent foothold uh, in either Iraq uh, or Syria. Republicans have criticised the president for letting the situation get out of control. And Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott and President Obama have agreed a new defence initiative which paves the way for extra American military activity in Australia. Radio Australia's Rick Hyde.